0: you can take your Bibles and turn along with me to 1 Peter chapter 5. Again, we'll be sharing in communion a bit later. If you haven't already picked up your communion cups in the foyer, send someone to do that for your group. 1 Peter chapter 5. Peter is writing gospel hope for troubled times. He's writing to Christians who are beginning to experience this increasing resistance and persecution for their faith in Jesus Christ. And Christians going through such times can be tempted, experiencing pressure and difficulty, can be tempted to respond by taking matters into their own hands. When we feel out of control, we feel powerless, and in a situation where those we love might be suffering, we can be tempted in a moment to, like Moses, strike the rock to let the waters of relief flow. But in such times of stress and uncertainty, when we are tempted to turn on one another, what is needed is not the action of prideful presumption, but rather a humble trust in God and a humble service to others. And that is just what Peter calls for in our passage this morning. Humbling ourselves under God's mighty hand And humbly serving one another. So look with me at 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 5 through 7. 1 Peter 5, 5. Peter continues writing and he says, You younger men, likewise be subject to your elders, and all of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. For God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble." Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you at the proper time, casting all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. This is the word of God. Let's pray and ask the Lord to help us believe it. Lord God, we come before you thankful for your word that gives us instruction and guidance. Your word is a light to our path. In the darkness, help us to give heed to it. Help us to believe it and appropriate it to our hearts and minds and lives. Lord, our greatest need is to humble ourselves before your mighty hand. To recognize our place in this world and your place in this world. And arrange ourselves appropriately. So give us a a renewed and greater vision of who you are. And a renewed sense of our smallness in comparison. Humble us today, Lord. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to see together in this passage the priority principle of humility, the prescription for humility, and the practice of humility. Three things we're going to see. The priority principle of humility, the prescription for humility, and the practice of humility humility. The first thing we're going to see, and we're not going to take this necessarily exactly as it flows in the scripture, but I want to share with you kind of in order, in logical order, what Peter is getting at here. And so that brings us to, first of all, the priority principle. The priority principle that Peter presents here, that's pretty good. Priority principle that Peter presents That God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. If you take nothing else away from you today, take that away with you. That's the priority principle should be of our lives. God is opposed to the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Well, Peter, having just addressed the elders in verses 1 through 4, which we looked at last week, he now turns his attention to those he calls the young, younger men, which is really just a contrast with the elders of verses 1 through 4. So in referencing this group called the young, Peter is actually addressing everyone who is not an elder. That's what Peter's getting at here. The rest of the congregation. If you're not an elder, this is you. To the rest of the congregation in each church, he says that they are to be subject to their elders. And we're going to see more about that later on in the message. And then Peter addresses everyone in the churches, both the elders and the congregation that they lead, by saying, all of you, elders and congregants, all of you now, clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. Again, we're going to look at that command in more detail a bit later. But for now, I want you to notice that the reason why the congregants were to submit themselves to their elders and why both elders and congregants were to clothe themselves with humility toward one another, the reason behind all of this comes at the end of verse 5. For... Or because the reason you should do this is because God is opposed to the proud, but He gives grace to the humble. Failing to do those things would be an indication that you are not humble, that you are proud, and therefore that God will be opposing you. Nobody wants that, do they? Do you want to fight with God? suggest to you, you do not want to fight with God. God is opposed to the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. This principle is the priority principle, and it is the engine that drives the entire passage that we're looking at this morning. The underlying principle behind all that Peter has to say here is that God is opposed to the proud but he gives grace to the humble. Peter in laying out this priority principle is quoting from the Old Testament, quoting from the book of Proverbs, Proverbs 3:34. So this is a wisdom saying. You want to be wise? Then take heed to this. It's a wisdom saying that contains both a negative statement and a positive statement. God is opposed to one group, and God is for, or gives grace to, another group. God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. This proverb is also quoted in the book of James, chapter 4 and verse 6. Now, I want to break this down a little bit. First of all, who are the proud, and what does it mean that God is opposed to them? Well, pride in the Bible is always viewed negatively. We don't always use pride that way. We say, Oh, I'm so proud of my son or my daughter. But pride in the Bible is always viewed negatively, it's always presented as a sin. It's the sin of arrogance. It is to think too highly of ourselves, too lowly of God, and too lowly of others. It's the sin of arrogance. Fundamentally, pride, at its core, is believing a lie. It's believing a lie about ourselves, that we are better, stronger, smarter, more righteous, more self-sufficient than we actually are. In pride, we deceive ourselves, even as we try to deceive God and deceive others. And pride, in a sense, serves as the root to every other kind of sin. It was pride that caused Satan and the fallen angels to rebel against their creator. Pride was present in the Garden of Eden when our first parents, Adam and Eve, defied God's instructions and failed to heed God's warnings for disobedience. And every sin shares pride in common with that first sin. In our pride, we too defy God's instructions and fail to heed God's warnings for disobedience. And all of us are born into this world as sons of Adam and therefore infected with the sin of Adam, the stubborn, soul-damning sin of pride. Pride. If you're here this morning and you say, well, that's nice for the rest of them, but I don't really struggle with that, then I got (laughs) you. Each and every one of us struggles with pride at some level. We say, I'll do it my way. I'll handle it. No one can tell me what to do or how to live my life. My body, my choice. I deserve it. Who are you to tell me what to do? Since the fall of man into sin in the Garden of Eden, this is how we have all come into the world pre-wired. We are pre-wired with pride. And it courses through us like the blood in our veins. Pride is in all of us. Romans 3.10 says, As it is written, there is none righteous, not even one. There is none who understands, because pride blinds us to understanding. There is none who seeks for God, because pride will not have it. All have turned aside. All have turned aside to his own way. I'll do it my way thank you very much. We come into this world not seeking God and turning aside from his way of righteousness that he has prescribed. And this is because of the pride that is in each and every one of our hearts. J.C. Ryle, that Anglican preacher of a former century said, no sin is so deeply rooted in our nature as pride. It cleaves to us like our skin. And because it's so deceptive, it's hard to detect in ourselves. It camouflages itself in us. And because of this pride, it says... Peter says God is opposed to us in our natural condition born into this world born in pride and sin and guilt God is opposed to us we are his enemies. Proverbs 16, 5 says, Everyone who is proud in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Assuredly, he will not be unpunished. Pride is an abomination before the Lord. We might all come up with a list of abominations before the Lord, but did you know pride is chief among them? And we already know pride resides in each of our hearts. So that's the negative principle. God is opposed to the proud. He will judge the proud. He will punish the proud because pride is an abomination. It is a usurping of His authority. It is trying to push God off the throne and place ourselves there. It is treason against our Creator. And we're all guilty of it. That's the negative principle. Let's look at the positive side of that coin. The good news. God is opposed to the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Can I get an amen this morning? Praise God for his grace. He gives grace to the humble. Now, who are the humble and what does it mean that God gives them grace? The humble are those who reject the lies that we are better, stronger, smarter, more righteous, and more self-sufficient than we actually are. The humble are those who have come to the place where they recognize their weakness, recognize their sin, recognize their place in the universe compared to God. Who recognize their stubbornness and their stupidity and yes, their pride. The humble are those who confess their insufficiency before God, their inability to live rightly, and who acknowledge that they, because of their pride, are deserving of God's judgment and punishment. These are the humble. I'm wondering today are you among the humble? Have you come to that point, to the end of yourself? To the end of your self-sufficiency and self-righteousness. Have you come to the place where you say, you know what, I reject all those lies that I formerly believed about myself. That I could do it. That I was good enough. That I was smart enough. That I was righteous enough. I reject all that. Those are lies. That will lead me to destruction. And I confess my inability. I confess my sin. I confess my pride before you, Lord. Those are the humble Are you among the humble this morning? Who does the humble sound like under this description? Well, it sounds like anyone who's truly a Christian, right? You can't be a Christian without coming to the end of yourself. You can't be a Christian without coming to that place of confession and repentance of sin and pride. And throwing yourself on God's mercy. And as you confess your sin and throw yourself on the mercy of God. And you trust in Jesus. God's own son who lived the perfect life that you and I never could. God forgives us. And he extends his mercy and grace toward us. This is how we go from being God's enemies as the proud to being God's beloved, to being God's family, to being near and dear to God's heart. These are the humble. And to the humble, God promises to give grace. Grace is God's unearned and undeserved favor. That he bestows upon us. Grace is what God gives to us so that he can treat us not in the way that our sin and pride deserves. But he can treat us with mercy and love and extend to us complete forgiveness for all our sins. Including our sin of pride. You see Jesus was the only person who has ever lived a life of perfect humility without even a hint of pride. Even for a moment in his life. Jesus lived a life of perfect humility, a life of perfect obedience to God because he was God in the flesh. Jesus, in perfect humility, came not to be served, but to serve and give his life a ransom for many. That was the posture of Jesus. His whole life and existence was not to be served, but to serve. That's humility. Perfectly exemplified in the life of Jesus. And Jesus, the sinless Son of God, died on the cross as a sacrifice and a substitute for you and me. He died, was buried, and rose again the third day, proving that He was indeed who He claimed to be, the Son of God, and that God's judgment for sin of all who would believe on Jesus had been satisfied. And now all who repent of their pride and humble themselves under God's mighty hand and confess their sin and trust in Jesus as their Savior receive God's forgiveness. Once and for all. Why? Because God gives grace. To the humble. He refuses the proud. He opposes the proud. But he gives grace to those who are humble. This is the driving principle of this entire section. God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Which category are you in this morning? What is the Spirit of God telling you? Through the word of God, as he brings conviction to your heart. Secondly, we see the prescription. The prescription. Humble yourself under God's mighty hand. If you're here this morning and you say, "Ah, I feel like I'm more in the pride category. Well, here's the prescription. Christian, you say, I feel myself drifting back into the pride category at times. I see that more than I'd like to in my life. Well, here's the prescription. Having established the priority principle, Peter now in verse 6 draws out the implications of that principle. He says, Therefore, Since God is opposed to the proud but gives grace to the humble, verse 6, therefore, humble yourselves. That's the only logical move here. You're in checkmate. There's nothing else you can do but give up, surrender, humble yourself. What we learn from this is that humility is not just the principle for entry into the saving grace of God, and it is, as we humbly repent of our sins and place our faith in Jesus Christ and his sufficiency, as we confess our own insufficiency and confess Jesus' sufficiency on our behalf. As that is the way we begin our walk with God, so it is the way we always continue our walk with God. It's not a one and done thing in the sense that, well, I, you know, humbled myself at the point of salvation, but now I can go on and live, you know, in the pride of my heart. No, we continually humble ourselves under God's mighty hand as Christians. This is how we walk with God. As we began, so we are to continue. Continue. As we began our walk with God in the humility of repentance, so we are to continue in the humility of repentance. And as our pride kept us for so long from coming to Christ, so our remaining pride that still dwells within us will keep us from becoming more like Christ if we leave it unaddressed, unconfessed, unrepented of. And therefore, the prescription for all Christians is the act and process of self-humbling. And that's painful. Pride does not slink back into the night without resistance. Jesus said in Luke 14, Everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. And he who humbles himself will be exalted. In the kingdom of God, the way up is down. The way to glory is the way through service. The way of exaltation is the way through humiliation. And we are to humble ourselves under God's mighty hand. The key to humility and to The right view of ourselves is to rightly view God. Notice what he says. He says, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, under God's mighty hand. The mighty hand of God is a phrase that's used throughout Scripture to speak of God's greatness, of His power, of His delivering power, of His power that delivered the Hebrews from the slavery to the Egyptians through those powerful plagues, powerful demonstrations of God's mighty hand and of how they crossed over the Red Sea and all of their pursuing enemies were destroyed. All of it not attributed to Moses or any of the Hebrews, but totally attributed to God and his delivering power. So as Christians, we are to continually think of God's delivering power in our own lives. And that has a humbling effect upon us. Because we didn't save ourselves. We didn't clean ourselves up and make ourselves presentable to God. No, God in His mercy showed us grace and love and kindness and opened our prideful eyes that had been shut by our self-righteousness. So that we could see our true condition before Him who is holy and just and righteous. And we're to humble ourselves under God's mighty hand. That is the key to humility. Rightly viewing ourselves by rightly viewing God. Pride wants us to think too highly of ourselves and too little of God. Humility is the reverse of that. Where we think much of God and little about ourselves. Where our confidence is in the Lord and not in ourselves. When we see who God truly is in his holiness, in his power and might, in his justice and righteousness, and in his mercy and love. We will be moved to awe and wonder and moved To humility. We'll say along with Isaiah. Who when he saw that vision of God. High and exalted. Said woe is me for I am undone. A true and expanding vision. Of God's mighty hand. Is the surest path. To humility. For it is when we see God's greatness. That we better comprehend our own. Finiteness smallness and weakness. A high view of God will give us an accurately low view of ourselves. You want to grow in humility? Grow in your understanding of who God is. Grow in your understanding of of God's character, of the seriousness of your own sin, and of the greatness of God's mercy and grace towards you in Jesus Christ. We have nothing to boast about, do we? What do we have to pat ourselves on the back for? Nothing. We brought nothing into this except our sin and guilt and the just judgment of God. But God in his mercy and grace has given us forgiveness through faith in his son, Jesus. Peter says we're to humble ourselves under God's mighty hand that God may exalt us in due time. And we look at our watch and we say, seems like it's due time, Lord. The Lord's never late. He's never slow on his promises. So what's Peter talking about here? He says, when the time is right, God will exalt those who have humbled themselves under his mighty hand. While it's true that God sometimes allows us to be exalted in this life, I believe Peter's true focus is on the life to come. For now, we are strangers and aliens and pilgrims. Strangers and aliens and pilgrims don't typically get exalted, do they? They have no rights in this world. They have no recourse. They're powerless. This world is not our home. And for now, Peter has told us, for a little while, we've been distressed by various trials. Chapter 1, verse 6. But nevertheless, we are Protected by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Chapter 1, verse 5. The salvation is coming, but it's not here yet. The time of exaltation is coming, but it's not here yet. The time of glory is around the corner, but it's not here yet. Now is a time of suffering. Now is a time of endurance. Now is a time of humbling ourselves under God's mighty hand. And those who humble themselves thusly will be exalted at the proper time. And so, by God's grace, having humbled ourselves under his mighty hand, we patiently wait for our exaltation when God deems the time to be just right. There's a test of humility or pride. Are you okay with God's timetable? Lord, in your time. My times are in your hand. I submit my life and my circumstances to you. I don't know all the things that you're doing. I don't know what all your purposes are, Lord, but I trust you. That's humbling yourself under God's mighty hand and trusting Him to exalt you at the proper time. Well, thirdly, and finally, let's look at the practice. Three examples and signs of humility. Here's the test. Okay, we've had the We've had the class and now this is the lab. How can we know if we're walking in humility or walking in pride? Well, Peter in this passage gives us three examples or signs of humility. Humility will be seen in our life in the following ways. First of all, by elders who humbly lead and congregants who humbly follow. And for this we go back to verse 5 and even before that. Peter has just instructed the elders of the church of Asia Minor to shepherd the flock of God in chapter 5, verse 1 through 4. The churches of Asia Minor were scattered about in what is now modern-day Turkey and they were gathering together in groups in various cities as Christians and they had Identified elders among them, leaders, shepherds, and thereto indeed shepherd the flock of God. Exercising oversight in a way that is not lording it over those allotted to your charge, Peter says to the elders. Not lording it over. They were to recognize that as shepherds, they served under the chief shepherd. That these flocks that they were to care for were not their own. They were not their sheep but they belong to the master of the sheep, the master shepherd, the chief shepherd. And so theirs was a charge entrusted to them. And all of this was to have the result, all of this instruction was to have the result of growing in these shepherds, these elders, humility as leaders of Christ's church. And they must prove to be examples of the flock, most of all, exemplifying humility. Likewise, those who are not elders in the churches are to subject themselves to the leadership of their elders, verse 5. And again, I believe Peter is referencing the entire congregation here. Anyone who's not an elder... They are to subject themselves to their leaders, to their elders. The word subject means to voluntarily arrange oneself under the authority of another. It was used in reference to believers submitting themselves to government authorities in chapter 2 and verse 13. It was used in reference to servants being submissive to their masters later on in chapter 2. And it was used of wives who are called upon to submit to their husbands. Chapter 3 and verse 1. Now in chapter 5 and verse 5, that same word is used in reference to the congregation who's called upon to submit to their elders. A good test for how you're doing at walking in humility is how you're doing at submitting to the authorities God has placed in your life. so how are you doing submitting to authority isn't easy oh it's easy when we agree with our authorities agree with their decisions agree with their direction but the real test of submission is what do we do when we disagree with the authorities in our life so how are you doing Want to grow in this area? Then acknowledge that it is God who has placed these authorities in our lives for our good and humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. Humble yourself under the earthly authorities God has placed over you. And in so doing, humble yourself under God's mighty hand. Remind yourself that to resist their authority is to resist God's authority. All right, that's the first test. Proof, example. Here's the second one. Christians who clothe themselves in humility toward one another. All right, so we're to be humble, in submitting ourselves to the authorities God has placed over us, we're also to be humble toward one another. Having addressed the elders to lead with humility, and then having called the congregation to follow their leaders in humility, Peter now calls both elders and congregants to clothe themselves with humility toward one another. Not only are we to have a humble stance toward God and to earthly authorities that He's placed over us, but we're also to have a humble disposition toward all fellow Christians, especially those we fellowship with in a local assembly. Literally, the word is we're to be clothed with humble-mindedness, lowliness of mind. Not high minded but lowly-mindedness. And we're to clothe ourselves in this humility. The language there is of a servant intentionally putting on an apron ready to serve a group of honored guests. We're to put that kind of humility on. We're to adopt that kind of thinking as we walk from the parking lot into the building. We're to be putting on the apron of a slave. Not thinking, I'm here to be served. I'm here to have my cup filled. No, I'm here to serve. I'm here to fill other cups. How you doing? Now, there can be a kind of humility that is actually false humility, Right? That is actually pride in disguise. Where we pretend to be humble and may even at times profess our own humility. But in fact, we're simply wanting to be seen as humble. Because we know that's what we're supposed to be. Humility is my greatest quality. Doesn't work like that. Like that loathsome character, Uriah Heep remember him from Dickens story, David Copperfield, who keeps going on and on about he's just a, a very humble person, when in reality he's a conniving and scheming megalomaniac seeking to take everyone else down for his advancement. No, we're not talking about some kind of veneer of humility in our fellowship, some kind of false modesty, but a true humility born of gospel truth and a glorious vision of God Almighty. A genuine humility that shows itself in love and service to one another without regard to self. The gospel of Jesus Christ has placed us all on the same level as grateful recipients of God's mercy and grace. It's been rightly said that the gospel is the great leveler of people we all stand in the same need of forgiveness, and Jesus has provided that need in full to each of us. The ground at the foot of the cross of Jesus is level ground. No one is higher than anyone else. And therefore we have no reason to boast except in the cross of Jesus. So we should ask ourselves, how am I doing at clothing myself in humility toward my fellow brothers and sisters in Christ? Am I willing to serve in any capacity and do whatever is necessary and whatever is needed? Am I willing to give of myself even for those who I don't like as much, who I find difficult to love and be around, who I tire of, or even those who have hurt or offended me in the past? One of the great tests to see if we're growing in humility toward God is to see whether or not we're growing in humility toward one another. To humbly love and serve our brothers and sisters is to humbly love and serve the Lord Jesus Himself. Inasmuch as you did it to the least of these, you did it unto me, Jesus said. Finally, final test. Casting all our anxiety on God. This final example and sign of growing in humility is a growing dependence upon the Lord. Verse 7. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. Verse 7. Casting all your anxiety on Him because He cares for you. As we humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God, we will increasingly... Cast our cares on the Lord, knowing that he cares for us. You see, pride tries to say, I got this. I can manage it. I can do it. I can pull myself up. Pride doesn't want to ask for help. But humility is quick to confess our own weakness and neediness. And so this act of casting all our anxiety on God serves as a kind of barometer of our spiritual health. And we cast our cares on Him knowing that He cares for us. Hallelujah, God cares for me. He wants me to cast my cares on Him, to throw the weight that I'm carrying upon Him because He cares about me. He cares about me so much that he sent his son, Jesus. God sent his son, Jesus, for us to bear away our greatest care and concern, our greatest weight. The weight of our sin and guilt. That burden is gone. But as long as we are proud, as long as we say, no, I can handle it. As long as we say, no, I'll do it my way. Know that God opposes you. But he is ever ready to extend his hands of grace to those who humble themselves, confessing his greatness and our weakness and need through faith in Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Our Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are sufficient For all of our lack. More than sufficient. Where we have failed, you have been victorious. Where we have sinned, you have been righteous. Where we have been prideful, you have been humble. And because of God's grace and mercy, when we place our faith and trust in you, Your righteousness becomes ours. And we are declared righteous in the eyes of God. By the mouth of God. Thank you, Jesus. God Almighty, we confess your greatness. Even as we confess our weakness and our sin. And our pride. Forgive us, Lord. We can't do it. We are weak and feeble. We are blind and naked and poor. We have nothing. So we humble ourselves under your mighty hand, believing and confessing the promise. That you're opposed to the proud, but you give grace to the humble. Give us your grace and grow us in humility. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.